I would learn how to become an expert in loneliness and solving it. And I would, I would make that like a, a big part of the core mission of the church of like, how do we connect to people? Hey everybody, you're listening to the Embedded Church Podcast, where we share stories about walkable churches creating new levels of belonging with their neighbors. I'm Eric Jacobson. And I'm Sarah Joy Propay, and we'll be your hosts on today's episode of the Embedded Church Podcast. Hey, y'all. We have a really great episode to share with you today, particularly for those of you with an entrepreneurial spirit. Chris Ferris, who's the lead pastor of Area 10 Faith Community in Richmond, Virginia, talks to us about the idea of a third place. So not work, not home, but that place that you go in the neighborhood to spend time with friends and with neighbors. And really taking this idea of a third place, he talks about how his church has purchased a couple of properties and used them as business enterprises in the local community to work in that space. We finished the interview by talking about loneliness and the pervasiveness of this in our current culture and the way that the church can be a part of mitigating that trend. So I really hope that you enjoy today's interview. Chris, it's really great to have you with us today on our podcast, the Embedded Church Podcast. And to give our listeners a frame of reference for who you are, we'd love to just start with hearing how long have you been a pastor of Area 10 Faith Community? Well, we launched the church in September of 2008. Uh, so it's been, it's, we've just hit our 11th anniversary. I've kind of had it in my heart for a long time. And before that, I was probably for five or six years before that sort of saying like, I should be starting a church. And my wife was sort of pushing me like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? And so we, we finally pulled the trigger, started fundraising and all of that in 2007 and then launched in 2008. So in that deciding to plant a church and launch like that, you chose to locate in a particular place. Uh, so where are you located? And can you talk to us a little bit about the demographics and uses in the place where you're located? Yeah. So it, it actually started with where we lived. My wife and I both love urban, sort of the urban built landscape and, and environments. Uh, me, it was visiting my, my grandparents in England, you know, to walkable neighborhoods with buses and all that. That was very different than the small town in Florida that I grew up. And my wife, she would go to San Francisco. She grew up on the West Coast and she would see this sort of walkable neighborhood thing. And so we wanted to move to an area that was had an urban feel, sidewalks, kind of and, and that sort of old neighborhood vibe. And so we, we, we bought a house in 2006 in the part of Richmond known as Carytown. The main strip is three quarters of a mile of shopping and restaurants and all that that kind of stuff. And we live one block off of that in some of your old neighborhoods where it, it's like uh, row houses, sort of our, ours is like a shotgun kind of house. Our house is only like 13 feet wide. So it's like a real nice. narrow, uh, narrow, narrow house. So it's that it's just highly walkable. And that's, that's what we wanted to live in. We actually had looked up, I guess there's a website that shows the walkability score of a neighborhood and our particular neighborhood is like a 95 out of a hundred or something like that. Chris, let me just pop in with a with a that's called walk score, and it's a yeah, it's a thing, and it's um, walk score. It's one of our actually on our website. It's one of the terms we define. So we we like to make sure our listeners are learning new terms as they listen to these interviews. So walk score is one of them. So yeah, we planted a church in that neighborhood. So the the church kind of meets towards one end of that whole commercial district, and so there's a lot of 
you know, you walk out, the, the church is in a movie theater and it's a beautiful theater. It's a historic theater from built in 1928. And so I, I tell people it kind of looks like the Muppet show in there. It's kind of like <laughs> the, the old the old school Muppet show. I don't know, yeah. like with the big red curtains and it's got like little balconies. You kind of expect like Statler and Waldorf up in the corner or whatever, kind of making fun of things. But it's, it's a beautiful space. And, um, you know, you walk out the front door of the theater and there's shopping retail on both sides and then houses one street over. So it's a, it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool urban spot. Can I, can I jump in there? I love that idea of feeling called to a location to live and then that ministry kind of branching out from there. As you kind of gathered, I know with the church plants, you kind of gather like a, a vision team or a leadership team to help kind of get the plant rolling. Do you feel like you gathered some people with similar kinds of impulses or did you have to do a lot of persuading folks of, of why this particular location was a good place for a church plant? Well, there's, there's two things. One is the denomination that I'm a part of. So I'm part of the Christian Church Restoration Movement, Christian Church, Church of Christ. That group was interested in church planting and it was interested in church planting and actually does a lot with church planting. So when I went to them and said, I want to plant a church here, it made sense to them because they had all planted churches within the last, I don't know, 100 years or something, all in the suburbs. Okay, and and they had the city surrounded, and I was like, "Well, somebody should actually go into the city and plant there," you know. Yes, yeah. So, so I, I made that I made that case, and that made sense to all of them. So we actually had seven churches in the suburbs, all financially supporting us. Oh, cool. So that that made sense from a sending agency denominational background that they're like, "Okay, plant in the city." And then as I was sort of building a core team of other people who wanted to be part of this church, we tried to cast a vision of like, hey, we're here in the city. The way we say it now, we're transforming lives in the city for the city. But we, we tried to say, we want to be a city focused. The sidewalks, the rough public schools, the whole thing, like we want to be in on the city and not a suburban context. And I think, at least in 2008, there was a lot of people that were resonating with that idea. Like, yeah, yeah, let's do something here. So that that's kind of how it started. Cool. And do other folks from your vision team live in the neighborhood as well? Or are, are you the most in because you're there? I'm probably the most in. Um, I think other folks have. And, and, you know, over 10 years, people have moved kind of here and there. And so there's always, always that turnover. But yeah, we've had people part of the launch team and everything that were city city focused. So coming back to the neighborhood that you're located in, your church is named Area 10. Is that in relationship to the neighborhood or where does that name come from? Yeah. So yeah, I've had, we, we've had all the jokes about Area 51 and all of that kind of stuff <laughs> that people want to make about, about like, why, why did you name it that? The cool thing is when you pick a weird name like that, it's really easy to get like a web address. Yeah. <laughs> True. Because yeah. like, I think uh, like New Life Discount Baptist Tabernacle was already taken, you know, so we had to like go for something like really different. And um, Area 10, is actually so maybe a lot of cities do this. I don't know, but Richmond does it where the, the city's divided up by real estate areas. Area 10 is kind of the real estate designation for the heart of the city. So it's um, from Carytown where we are on the west side through downtown and then out to an area on the east side called Church Hill and then south all the way to the James River and north to the interstate. That, that whole swath of the center of the city is called Area 10. So that's just why we went with it. Not... Of course, not everybody knows that. They, they wonder if it's like some obscure Bible reference. It's <laughs> from Ezekiel, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's one of those things <laughs> Ezekiel that no one knows about. No, it's yeah. like, and I, I've sort of joked over the years, like we really wanted to just have a church all of realtors because they're the only ones who understand <laughs> when you say it, you know. But that would be weird because they would all be handing out cards and networking. 
Yeah. <laughs> You'd own like every bus stop too. Wow, it would be awesome. But... <laughs> That's awesome. You mentioned briefly that y'all meet in a historic theater there and the neighborhood, the Bird Theater. You don't own your location. Is there a reason behind choosing to meet there? We started in in the movie theater and we still meet there as far as a Sunday morning gathering. When you're in the city... There's not many places you can meet. Um, you have to be creative. And so a lot of people look at schools or maybe some other churches and meet at other times. And there's other church plants around doing that. For us, this movie theater, I mean, it's a 1,300-seat auditorium, but in an old style. So it's got a balcony and, and it's like the cramped, uncomfortable seats. That was the, the thing is, okay, here's, the, here's a place that is willing, um, you know... Theaters are always trying to make ends meet financially. And so we said to them, hey, we'll give you money for Sunday mornings at a time you're not making any money. And that's good for you. That's good for us. And uh, it's been a great relationship. They've been super cool with us. Um, They they let us store all our gear on site. We're not like bringing in trailers and stuff like that. Like we store all our stuff. We've, We've done work over the years to do some cleanup projects at their theater. We've done some stuff on their stage to rebuild their, some stuff on their stage. Like it's a, it's a great relationship. And, and a good thing in Richmond is everybody knows where the bird theater is. It, everyone's got a story of a date they went on at the bird theater. So even though you all don't own your own property, you've definitely own... Well, I take that back. <laughs> you do own your own property, but in a different way that we want to share with our listeners here. Um, and one of the hallmarks that we talk about with an embedded church is this strong lens of mission to the local neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. I think what's really interesting about the conversations that I've had with you is that you've really used that lens to purchase property, but not necessarily for yourselves in the format of having a sanctuary and a place to meet on a weekly basis for your worship services, but you've chosen to purchase those properties with that missional neighborhood mindset. Would love for you to share about your first business endeavor as a church. The great thing about the Bird Theater is that everybody knows it and it's a great location and people are used to coming there. But the downside is it's one big theater with a pretty small lobby. And so if you wanted to have children involved in church and not in the service, you're going to need another space. There was a a space a block away. It had been a clothing store. It had been a bunch of different things and it was for lease. And so we approached the landlords and said, can we have this space? We really were thinking we need space for children's ministry for church. And so we need a nursery and those sorts of things. And so we'll use the space for that. However, it's right in the heart of that prime sort of retail space. So we didn't feel like it made a lot of sense to put something in there that is only used on Sunday and then just kind of sits empty the rest of the week. So we actually first launched, the church launched in September of 2008. We launched a business in August of 2008. And it was Cartwheels and Coffee. It is a uh, children's play place coffee shop. The tagline is, it's the playland design with parents in mind. <laughs> so that, that was driven out of a couple things. So partly because we need the space for church. So we use it for church on Sunday. But then Monday through Saturday, it's just for the community, for people to come in, have coffee, um, their kids play. Um, when we launched the church, we have three sons. And our sons were five, three, and one. And as the parent of kids that age, you're just, you're dying for anything for them to do. So we, we did this coffee shop. I had worked for Starbucks and I had managed, done management for Starbucks. So I had some coffee shop background. You know, when my kids would come visit me, my wife would come visit me at the coffee shop and bring the kids. And then the kids would like, you're always afraid they're going to rip the retail off the walls or 
they're going to like mash up you know Cheerios into the floor, and then the employees are going to be annoyed. And we're like, what if there was just a place that is kid friendly and parents like to be there? Not like the play place at McDonald's where parents just are putting up with it while their kid plays, but we were yeah. like, this would be a fun experience for everybody. So that was the design. It was my wife's brainchild, really. So we we started that business in August of 2008. It is it is still going, and uh, it's pretty crowded in there every day. Um, but I was really motivated by the great good place, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oldenburg's book. And so um, I loved the idea of third place. Um, that's actually what pulled me into Starbucks was Starbucks at the time was trying to be a third place. Like they're trying to get that concept. And I was like, I love this stuff, you know? Yeah. And so that was our hope for Cartwheels and Coffee is it would feel like a third place for parents and, and kids that, that connect. Can I ask a follow-up on that? Thinking about your... Um the population that fills that place midweek. I mean, obviously none of us know these things for sure, but you know, if you were to say like, how many folks there are part of your church community, your worshiping community, how many are just secular out there? What, what kind of percentages do you think you have between your folks and the, and the wider community? What I can say is that the number of folks from our church that populate that place is pretty small. Okay. Um, it's, it's not primarily our church people that are in there. There's some. Yeah. Does it feel, does it feel churchy when you're in there? I mean, not, was... <laughs> Oh, not at all. And, and that's been a, that was intentional. Um, and then, and we've actually walked that back a little bit. We, when we started, we wanted to be very separate. This is not church, whatever. We wanted it to be that people would feel comfortable wherever they're coming from. Um, I think over the years we have felt the need to build a stronger connection between the church and the business, because the reality is, the business wouldn't exist without the church. And so we can pretend all day long, like, no, no, nothing to see here. There's no church behind this, but it's like, there is, I mean, we're not, we're not going to have baristas like preaching. Right. And we're not going to be playing Christian music. And it's not like there's a smattering of Christian magazines about, but we could be a little more intentional. And we've tried to be a little more intentional to, to, to say, no, this is owned by church. And that's, that's who we are. All that have you ever, outside of nursery on Sunday morning, have you ever used it for midweek church programming? Like, run alpha or something like that uh, in the evening? Yeah, we have. We have. Um, for the first 10 years, we did a, a fair amount of that. We would do you know, a class on a Wednesday night or something like that. Um, we did a Harry Potter trivia night in there one night. We've done, I mean, we've done some things. Um, but now that we purchased property in 2016, which is right next door to the coffee shop, we don't need to do as many things in there. We have better adult-friendly space right. that we can use. Right. I've got one more kind of follow-up question and then we can get back to, I want to hear more about sort of how that's expanded. But so in our, our church is an embedded church with lots of businesses in the neighborhood and, and I am involved with the business uh, leaders to some extent. And that's been great, but I always feel like we live in different worlds because they are running a for-profit business and I'm running a church and they, we respect yeah. one another, but I don't understand their world very well. And I'm wondering if the fact that you actually have a, kind of a, a business right there. Has that given you any sort of uh, connecting points or relationships with the other business owners in, in the area or employees? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So they have a merchants association in Carytown here. And especially early on, I was pretty involved with the merchants association because I have a for-profit business. The business yeah. was set up as an LLC, a, a for-profit entity. That sole member owner is the church. Um, I know that's legal talk, but I had to learn it for what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So it's owned by the church. It's a for-profit entity. And um, 
And so I can sit at that table just like anybody else and be like, hey, I'm a business owner here too. I mean, they, yeah. they know there's a church connected there. And we've actually, as a church, done a lot to sort of serve the, the business community. We've, we've done some like street cleanup stuff, like there's tree wells that need to be cleaned up and stuff like that. We've done some things over the years to let them know that, hey, we're, we're for you and we're one of you and we're for you. So yeah, I, I think that has been good. I've, I've gotten to build some relationships just off of business context. So in terms of that business too, is that run by people in your church or do you hire outside or what does that look like for you as a church to kind of run a business? You know? Yeah, we, we've had to work that differently over the years. It's not profitable enough to hire someone and go like, this is your thing and just make it a killer business, whatever, like go for it, full on business. Um, and we kind of came to that conclusion about five years into it. We were like, you know let's be real about this. If the church wasn't behind this, it's just not going to happen. Like, so it is a ministry exp- extension of the church. Let's, let's be honest about that. Mm-hmm. And, and so because of that, we haven't hired like a general manager or something like that. It just, it, it hasn't made enough money to justify that. So really about five years ago, we moved it sort of organizational structure wise. We moved it under one of the church staff members who, who kind of does city engagement. And we said, okay, this is like part of our city engagement is this business. So you're yeah. going to run this like in the margins, like that staff member is not having to spend 20 hours a week. It's, you know, five or something like just a management function. And then we hire baristas, some from within our church and some outside the church. And uh, we've had loads of them over the years. And, and so, yeah, that's how it works. That's cool. Interesting. And yeah. so y'all haven't stopped there because you expanded your businesses, right? Yeah, I, I think I think I have an addiction to formula. <laughs> like if that's a thing, I don't know if it's in the DSM, but I, I I'm just like uh, my wife and I are kind of the same way. We're like we love starting things, and so we did a nonprofit around adoption foster care because that's a big need here. So we did that in 2011, um, and then uh, the church we we. Um, purchase property in December of 2016. And we began a renovation process that, Sarah, you work with that world, right? Of like... Yeah, the real estate development. Yeah. That. So you'll think this is hilarious. I thought when we bought it um, that, you know, you, you want to cast vision, you want to raise money and you go, okay, we're going to buy this property because we had the opportunity and I think God really opened up some doors for us in a cool way to purchase the property right next to it. Because if we're going to stay in the movie theater, whatever property we have, if we're going to use it for children's ministry, whatever, it needs to be close. And so there's not many properties available. And this property came available and it's actually almost half an acre, which is massive right yeah. there. Um, and uh, it came available and we bought it and we haggled on the price. It was quite the thing because the, the, the people selling it wanted a lot of money for it. Um, and we were like, yeah, that's not even worth half that. Sort of side story here though, I suppose, is the cool thing about that is had they appropriately priced it, a developer would have bought it before I even knew it was for sale. Yeah. So the, the fact that they overpriced it, I think, was the Lord leaving it out there hanging for us until... Because we're sitting here going, what could we buy? And then someone said, did you know the thing next door is for sale? And we were like, I had no idea. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, the, the funny piece about that is I, I, I sort of stood before the church and said, we're going to buy this thing. And you know, um, it's going to take like eight months and we're going to get it renovated. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I undershot yeah. that a little. Just a little. <laughs> I, think, I, I think you took me on a tour when you were uh, at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I walked I'm, through that space. So how long did it take you? <laughs> 22 months. So oh, wow. yeah, just 14 months more than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, and that was like such a big learning. But then we got into it. So we, we opened it in October of 2018. Uh, so we've been there a little over a year. And what is the space? Can you explain it for the listeners? Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, and, and I guess we, we post some links and stuff so you can see once you see the pictures of it, there's some really, uh, it's a beautiful space. So we formed another business because we can't stop uh, doing that. So there's a roughly 5,000 square foot building that we renovated. We sort of gutted and then renovated it. And um, it's called 2810, which is the address. So 2810, we call it a community gathering place. It has offices. I'm in my office in it right now. It has a conference room, meeting rooms, um, has a larger meeting room for about 80 people. And then it has a big common room in the front. It's a really gorgeous space. And our, so our church staff, we function out of this as our offices. We have some other people who will work out of it from time to time. And we formed a C corporation mm-hmm. uh, for this for this as a separate business. So we use it for... Most of the time, we use it for church. So we'll use it for Sunday morning kids classes. We'll use it for teenagers on Sunday night. And then during the week, we'll do... Like I taught a class in here last night. Um, There's a couple classes going on. We'll do different small groups and prayer groups and meetings and all that. We have a prayer night in here tonight. So we do the different meetings. And then we also use it for our nonprofit partners. Mm -hmm. So um, different organizations can either have the space for free if we're like really connected to them or if we don't really know them, they can rent it to it from us from a, for a discount. And then we also do for-profit ventures in here where we have uh, some companies in town are looking for like a corporate offsite. Because we're in such a cool space in, in the Cary Town area, it's a desirable place to come. There's a lot of restaurants and stuff around. And then we have about 18 off-street parking spaces, which is unheard of around here. That's really cool. I'm curious too... How has not owning your own space kind of for your main sanctuary church building, has that allowed you to then utilize, you know, some of that money maybe that you would be spending for like maintenance and operation for a larger building to then do some of these smaller ventures? What does that look like? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, the, the movie theater has always been really good to us on sort of the main rent there. And then we've had to spend for... Carwheels and coffee, and then this new space, and so we 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 have a lot more wrapped up in facilities than than we used to, for sure. Um, we were maybe a little leaner at first, but yeah, it it has been a good thing. I think a lot of churches end up building sanctuaries that are expensive and they sit empty for a large portion of the week, and so it's like if we can cut out that, and and we still have a beautiful place, but we use it for the three hours that we use it, and. That's been that's been a good thing, and I, I think that probably has freed us up. So much of this has been the, like the necessities, the mother of invention kind of thing, where it's like, wait, what are we going to do with kids? Oh, there's a space here. Let's get a children's play place, coffee shop. Let's do that. And and okay, what are we going to do? Like, there's um there's one or two Sundays a year we can't meet in the movie theater, so that drives us out. Like, okay, well, we can't just keep doing that. We're going to need to do something different on those Sundays. So at least once a year, we're doing these service projects all over the city um, because we're not in there on a Sunday. And so some of those inconveniences have been, I think the Lord sort of pushing us and driving us to some creative solutions. So 
I'm wondering now, I want to go back to your denomination and those supporting churches in the suburban location. Have you had a hard time explaining what this is to them? And especially in terms of like the third place concept, like what's the, you know, I know those, a lot of the supporting organizations have a certain way they're measuring success. They're, you know, how many people came to Christ through your ministry? How many kids are in, you know, in Sunday school or whatever. And some of the stuff you're doing isn't going to show up on those metrics. Have, have you had to help them expand their understanding of what counts as kingdom work? Or do you think that was an easy sell? It hasn't been too hard of a sell. I, I think I'm, I think the denominational background I'm in is a really great combination of, at least in 2008, this was the case. They're a really great combination of, we will give you money so you're not broke and give you a, a launch for this, like a, a landing strip kind of idea, like you've got some runway. Combined with, we're not high control, like you have to do it exactly this, this, and this. And mm. that for me was like a great combination of like, let me go do the entrepreneurial thing and figure out how I want to do this. And they haven't been really like sticky about, oh, it has to have these particular metrics. Now, I, I do share those kind of metrics. Here's baptisms and those kind of things that we're seeing that, that look more like traditional church. The coffee shop kind of thing, like I, they don't, I don't think they are too concerned about it. You know, it's like yeah. not, not so much on their radar. Right. Yeah. But they, but they still will tell other church plants like, Oh, you should see what they're doing in Richmond. They're doing this cool thing with the coffee shop. And like, you should talk. Right, right, right. So we've, cool. I've had other church planters in Raleigh and other towns come talk to me about it. Have you seen in kind of doing this model, you know, with, a lot of investment in other buildings and, and whatnot. Have you seen some ministry advantages that you weren't expecting in terms of maybe drawing people into your community, you know, gaining trust with some of your neighbors in a way that's going to make them more open to the gospel? You, has, has, has that started happening or? Um, to some degree, yeah. I think um, starting things like that and, and doing my, sort of mild economic development on this end of the street, I guess, um, I think that attracts people who are maybe a little entrepreneurial themselves or who are like, Oh, this is cool. This is different. This is a different way of approaching church. And so I have seen it resonate with some people who, who fancy themselves as starters as well. Or I think even some of my friends who are not church people at all that I'm, that I'm in a relationship with, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to get their take because if they got a business background or startup or whatever, or they maybe work in big corporations, they, they look at what we have and they're like, Whoa, you did what? Like, this is kind of amazing, you know? So that's kind of built some good bridges, I think with folks when they, when they, when they see that you're, you're not like, they want to put you in the, Oh, you're just like a church person. Like you must do the religious thing. Like, do you guys have stained glass? Do you like do all, and it's right, like, right. Oh, I mean, we, we're, we're in this culture too. We're trying to figure out how to, how to reach it. And, and I think that's been, yeah, I think that has built some good bridges. I also think with the neighborhood, like the immediate neighborhood by where where our new building is, um, that's been a good thing because the building we bought was an eyesore, and now it's not. Like we have like this cool mural on the front of it, and and I, and I've heard the neighbors because I live in that neighborhood. I've heard the neighbors say, "Oh, that like it looks nice now," and that's right. so we wanted to yeah. make sure that whatever we're building, the outward face is not like horrible. I actually made me think of your book. Um, I remember reading your book. And so I can't remember what year did you write that book or what year was it published? Sidewalks in the Kingdom? Sidewalks in the Kingdom. I I can't remember now. 2003. 
Yeah, Maybe? yeah. That's yeah. about when I read. So I think I read yeah. it in 2004. We launched, we moved to Richmond in 2006. And I remember there's a picture in the book of a, of a smokestack coming out of a building. And it was like, if, if your church could have a really low cost energy system and this is what it looked like and this is what it needed, <laughs> would you do it? You know? And that yeah. was really like, yeah, there's something to be said for like, you gotta, you gotta fit with a neighborhood and you need to do something beautiful if you can. Yeah. And so I think even just cleaning up that space and not making it such an eyesore, I think people have been like, Hey, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a gift to your neighbors. Yeah. That's what I was hoping. Have there been particular challenges that you've had to work through in terms of educating your church just on forming an LLC and doing some of that business work too? I find that that's one of the big hurdles when I talk with churches about doing some of these creative ideas. They think they get really excited, but then they're like, oh, we have to form an LLC. We have to do all these other things. And that's really hard. What would you say to that? Um, yeah, I think um, having had to go through it, like there are a lot of questions and, and there's a lot of gray area in the law. And so people don't know, even you talk to lawyers like, yeah, I mean, maybe, but they don't enforce that. And there's just all these kind of, it's, it's so gray. Um, having gone through it, I feel like I kind of have a grip on it, but I would... I would tell churches like, yo, you can form an LLC tonight for about 50 bucks online. Like it's the easiest thing like that. There's nothing intimidating about that. Yes. You've got questions about unrelated business income and then accountants get involved and they get worked up like, what? well, if you bring in this money, but I, you know, our businesses have never made tons of money. So it's never been like, Oh, it's this big financial driver for the church. It hasn't been anything like that. I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of fear in that of like, what if, what if it does really well financially? I'm like, only in the church would we question whether that's a good thing. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? We're like, oh no, what would happen if it did well yeah, yeah. financially? That we, we could lose our nonprofit status and we could, and it's like, we'll, we'll cross that bridge. If, if, if that ever happens, we'll figure that out. But I, I yeah. think it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been a, a, a problem for us. What have you um, found helpful by way of resources? You know, getting yourself educated and, and your leadership educated on how to, lean into this model of ministry in a walkable neighborhood. And, he, and I hate to bring up your book again, but the reason I read it or the reason it was so timely is because nobody was writing that. Like yeah. there just wasn't a lot of that. I, I was reading the Plani Zider, what is that? Um, Suburban Nation. Uh, Suburban Nation. Yeah. I was reading Duani. Yeah. Andres Duani. And yeah, I was reading that, which a lot of church planters, that's probably not their jam, but um, I, I, I've sort of said if you could have urban planning as a hobby, it would be my hobby. I don't know. I just find it fascinating how how we how the built environment works and how we're putting it all together. So I was reading that. I was reading. I mentioned the Great Good Place, Ray Oldenburg uh, about a third place. I read your book because I was like, okay, well, someone's talking about it. I read uh, the Geography of Nowhere about how America kind of developed suburbs and all that kind of stuff. And was trying to solidify like why am I into the city and why am I called to that? Even looking at um, uh, social Rodney Stark, um, oh yeah, yeah, a book called Cities. I think it's Cities of God, where he talks about Christianity being primarily an urban movement in, mm-hmm. in the early days, and that the word pagan meant country dweller, basically. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay, so this really has always uh, Christianity was always a city focused thing. And so that really resonated with me. And um, I really appreciated that. The model of like doing business ventures and stuff like that. I haven't read a bunch of that. I mean, occasionally I'll hear about people doing it and I might ask them some questions, but I haven't, you know, I haven't read a lot on that. 
I think that means it's time for you to write a book, Chris. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, honestly, that's how I started writing. I was like, okay, there must surely someone else has thought of these things. You know, yeah. and, I started, and I started looking around like, you know, suburban nation, geography of nowhere, all those guys are, they're really on to something. Where's the Christian like response to this? Cause it's so in our yeah. court. And I looked around and the Christian literature was just completely missing it. And so I was yeah. like, okay, okay, I'll write something, but you know, we'll just see if anyone else is thinking these things. But yeah, maybe it may be with some of this entrepreneurial stuff, you need to get your stuff. Yeah. Out. I think it's really, I think it's interesting. I think your book resonated with me. Um, but I don't think it's resonated with everyone I've handed it to. I'll say that <laughs> because there's a, there's a mindset you need to be in with just about cities. And I, I've been so pro city that people think I'm anti everything else. Yeah. Um, and so I've had to be pretty careful with that. Um, I've sort of, I sort of came to a place in our articulating a vision for something because you, you pick a topic, homeschooling or, you know, whatever lifestyle, educational choice to make, whatever. If you say you're for something, everyone who's not doing that thinks that you're saying that you're against their thing. Right, right. So I've, I've, I've tried to be careful, like, all right, to articulate a vision for the city and to love sidewalks and to love that someone thought to measure out the distances between the front doors or whatever, like to, to, to appreciate that and to articulate, hey, God is at work in this and we can love these spaces too and there's good things going on here. To be able to say that and also without the undercurrent of, but if you don't live in a space like this, you're a bad person. Right, I've right. Had absolutely. To, I've, had to, I've had to walk that back. I think I leaned so pro-city early on that, people who would choose to move to the suburbs. And, and there's lots of reasons why they do. The schools are good and all that kind of stuff. I get it. Taxes are lower. There's lots of reasons. I've had to be careful. Like, look, the gospel is offensive enough. I might as, like, I shouldn't be offensive on top of that just because I'm articulating a vision for the city. Like, I need to be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, good word. Yeah. We're, we've had similar journeys uh, ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. What piece of advice would you give to a pastor of a church who might be considering a commercial enterprise in their own context? One thing I would say is be careful assuming that it's your financial answer to your financial problem. Um, <laughs> it's it comes with its own. Money. It may not. No, yeah. it, it is not for us. I would be careful with that, assuming it's a financial solution. If you're a church planter or you're a church wanting to do it, you got to be in it, I think, with a ministry mindset, not just uh, this is a moneymaker because I just don't think that's going to work. If, if you think about it though, in terms of this is a good thing for the community and this is a way to love and bless and serve our community. Yeah, it works pretty well that way. I think our coffee shop is not financially um, big or hugely successful or anything like that, but it is pretty well loved by the community by a group of people who primarily aren't church people, at least they're not yeah. part of our church. Maybe they're part of another one, but there's, there's quite a, a mix of people in there. So that would be my biggest thing. And, and, and also I would say like, go for it. Like people start businesses all the time. This is about the easiest country in the world to start a business. So like, go for it. Chris, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you might want to be asked? So we just had a city council election and there's a lady who was running for city. There's like nine people running for city council in my district. And this one lady that was running, I knew her and I saw her in a cafe and I said, Hey, so what, a lot of times when you run, especially local government, right? You, you walk door to door, you know? And so she's going to every, every door in, in particularly in my neighborhood, she had gone through 
And I said, what did you learn from walking door to door through my neighborhood? Because I've tried a little bit to know my neighbors and, and try to build some relationship there. But uh, she said, she said, oh, Chris, there's, there's an epidemic of loneliness mm. in this country. And I was like, oh, so I'm like sort of the Robert Putnam bullying alone things firing off in my head. I'm like, yes, yes. Tell me more. Like, what did you, what did you find out? You know, like, yeah. cool that you're seeing that, you know, or like not cool that it exists, but like you see it and she's not, uh, she would not say she's a religious person or she said, you know, people used to be part of churches and things and that, that like made a community connection for them, but they're just not doing that now. And so she said, I would go knock on these doors and people haven't even opened their door in, in weeks. And I would talk to people on their porch and on the longest conversation they've had in a month, you know, oh like my gosh, wow. it's pretty lonely out there. And I said, who's lonely? And she said, first of all, the elderly. And then secondarily, she said, I think men, I think yeah. men are pretty lonely. And that fits with what I've been seeing and what I've experienced. And particularly when I talk to other men, I think everybody is lonely yeah. um, to some degree. When I talk to church planters now, I would learn how to become an expert in loneliness and solving it. And I would, I would make that like a, a big part of the core mission of the church yeah. of like, how do we connect people? Yeah. Um, That's it's, awesome. it's a mess out there. And I, I guess I had heard in your podcast that you've, you've been in that, on that same jam as well. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I tried I gotta, to get a book on that. We, we did not set this up <laughs> listeners, but uh, my, my next book is on loneliness coming out in May. So yeah, so I'm thinking about somebody should somebody should write about this. Somebody <laughs> should write about this. Yeah, <laughs> we'll so, do this. Yeah, no, that's definitely the case. I mean, there's just loneliness everywhere, and, and, yeah. and it's and it's really what's interesting is it's it's moved from like a psychological category to a to a public health issue. Right. right. I mean, there's like mortality statistics to go with loneliness. Like being chronically lonely is more deadly than smoking and obesity, for instance. Wow. Like the church can be part of the solution not the maybe not the whole thing but we can we definitely have some resources that i think people would be paying attention to if we could help them connect the dots and help them overcome some of the barriers that they might have to being part of a church community so i think some of the stuff you're doing is going to be more and more helpful to that though because i think we do have a culture that's very resistant to just walking in the door of a historic looking church you know we need to meet them outside of the church and you know places like the businesses you're talking about so yeah you're totally right. It was a snow day where like Richmond's one of those towns, like when it snows, my, my apologies to our Minnesota friends, but uh, <laughs> when it snows here, people like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, let's close everything. Let's, you know, if it's, we got, we can't, everybody goes to the grocery store. Like there's like one snow plow in the whole city. I don't know. So we don't, we don't do it. well. <laughs> we had a snow day last year and it was like, everyone's not getting out of their car. Like, and so the neighborhood's walkable. And I just sent out a thing to all my neighbors. And I'm like, Hey, over at 2810, I'm going to make like a pot of chili and I'm going to get some board games. And if you want to come over and play, we're just going to play. And, and a few people came over and it was like, Hey, let's get out of the house. Here's this, like a snow day. Here's like a temporary crisis situation, like post-apocalyptic, like we're, you yeah. know, what's <laughs> going on, you know, I was like, come on out, we'll play. Well, I, I want to read your next book then. I didn't yeah. know you were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, you, because... you can pre-order it on Amazon. Even what? Now, so. Yep. What? Yep. You can be the first. <laughs> there you now, go. Now, my mom is like already like that on the list. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like a setup. Where would I find such Where would a book? I find... <laughs> <laughs> How can I Just get that? www.amazon.com. <laughs> I've heard of Amazon. Is it that easy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, when, are you, when is this coming out? It's uh, May. Yeah. May, okay. So May I just 5th. have to be lonely. I'm going to be lonely till then. It's just me and Netflix until May. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I'm going to have a tub of ice cream. Hold on. Hold on. And, 
Well, Chris, it's been great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing with us. We've learned a lot and I'm excited to go out and try a bunch of new business ventures now. Yes, totally. Oh no. Don't pin that on me. Yeah, if I fail, you know. Chris said. (laughs) So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, great. This is super fun. Thank you guys. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Embedded Church Podcast. We hope that you find the stories both inspiring and insightful. Be sure to check out our website, embeddedchurch.com, to find more info about today's episode, learn more about this podcast, and access helpful urbanism resources. And a good review goes a long way, so please take a moment to rate this podcast so we can successfully share more of the stories that shape the Embedded Church.